Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, a class action lawsuit alleges WAFA and Seven Seas failed to keep St. Croix water safe. We speak with attorney Lee Roan, who filed the suit. A woman on St. Thomas was shot multiple times while sitting in her car. Vitima director Daryl Joshin remarks on the postseason analysis of the hurricane season. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. 19 plaintiffs are named in a class action lawsuit against the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority and Seven Seas Water Corporation over lead and copper contamination in the St. Croix water supply. We spoke with St. Croix attorney Lee Roan, who represents the plaintiffs. The lawsuit was, is fostered because there are thousands of people in the Virgin Islands who now can't drink their water or bathe or brush their teeth in their water, cook with it. Um, and it appears that over some extended period of time, we don't know how long since the last test was three years ago, uh, they've been exposed to lead and other heavy metals in their water. Because there is no safe level of lead, this is very troubling because lead is, uh, once it's in your system, it stays in your system and causes severe injuries. And we felt like that WAPO, first of all, was not stepping up to the plate uh, as to remedying the situation. There's no reason that the government of the Virgin Islands and the taxpayers should be paying for this water. WAPA and Seven Seas, who are responsible for this, they have insurance. So that's who should be paying for this water. Also, because of the exposure, the there's medical testing that needs to be done of everybody that that has happened to. There will need to be medical monitoring in the future because lead and heavy metals have long-term consequences. They're not all seen at once. I've had children who have come in here with very high lead levels in their blood. So the WAPA government statement saying, oh, we we don't think EPA is right. We don't think that there's that much lead in the water. It's first ridiculous because that much lead is a misnomer. You're not supposed to have any lead. So any level of lead is bad. So to tell people that it's okay to have lead because it's not that much is simply not truthful. But the levels of lead in the blood of the kids that I have, the children that I have that are being tested are high. Uh, one of the children is over 14 uh, points. There are many of them at seven and eight points. Uh, that's high lead content. So the statement that's now being sent around by the government uh, and WAPA saying, oh, we don't think this is really a problem, and we don't think there's really lead, is preposterous. Because if there was no lead, 
you wouldn't be getting this readings of lead in the blood that you're getting. The 47-page suit filed in the VI Superior Court alleges that WAPA and Seven Seas Water provided residents of St. Croix with unsafe water, failed to properly monitor the water the utility was providing, and failed to timely warn people of unsafe conditions of water, which resulted in damage to the people of St. Croix. This is almost like Flint, Michigan. This is exactly what happened to the, the people in Flint, Michigan. It was the, the water company that did the high salinity of water that caused the breakdown of, of the heavy metals. Attorney Lee Roan said the children were tested for lead outside of the pediatric lead testing being done by the Virgin Islands Department of Health. She responded to WAPA CEO Andrew Smith's comments that this was a move by those who seek to monetarily gain by exploiting the evolving situation impacting the people of St. Croix. You know, we're sorry people are doing this for monetary gain. I have no idea how he could say something that callous. People's, people, mothers are seeing their children with high levels of lead and they know that it causes retardation and, brain, and loss of brain development. These people are not doing this for, quote, monetary gain. They're doing it so they can get money to have doctors look at their children and try to get the help for their children and, and, and not have to pay for water out of their own pocket and so they can be monitored for medical conditions and, and be compensated for what they're going through. That's not a monetary reward. This is a suffering that they're being compensated for. I mean, the, the, the cause of the suffering is now insulting the people that it's, that it caused to suffer, to be ashamed of themselves. Governor Albert Bryan Jr.'s request to have divorce proceedings kept under seal has been approved. Judge Deborah Watlington granted the motion filed by Governor Bryan's attorney, Henry Smock. The First Lady's counsel, Julie Everett, said that Mrs. Bryan also joined in the request to keep the proceedings private. A woman on St. Thomas was shot multiple times while sitting in her vehicle. Kishma Chichester, media relations coordinator, has the details. At approximately 9.55 p.m. on Monday, November 27, 2023, the Patrol Division and Criminal uh, Investigation Bureau on St. Thomas or call to Roy Schneider Hospital regarding an assault. Uh, the victim told detectives that she was parking her vehicle at her home when a masked gunman um, approached her and started to fire shots at her multiple times. Uh, she did sustain multiple bullet wounds to her body. Anyone with any information on this incident, we are encouraging you to reach out to 911, the Criminal Investigation Bureau at 340-774-2211 or directly contact Detective Ben Minister at 340-774-2211, extension 5577. Um, additionally, if you have any other tips, uh, you can provide those to Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. Federal prosecutors have asked a judge to sentence Stephanie Barnes to 45 months behind bars for what they described as her brazen thievery of government funds. That's according to documents filed in the U.S. District Court. Under federal sentencing guidelines, 
Barnes is facing a possible maximum sentence of eight years. Prosecutors are, however, recommending three years and nine months. In addition to the prison term, prosecutors are asking that Barnes remain under supervision for three years after her release and that she be ordered to pay just over $180,000 in restitution to the Casino Control Commission. Barnes was indicted by a grand jury in July 2019 alongside former Casino Control Commission chairwoman Violet Ann Golden, who pleaded guilty to theft of government funds and failure to file a tax return. Golden was released from prison on September 24, 2021, after serving a little over 20 months behind bars. Barnes has been jailed in Puerto Rico for nearly two years after jurors found her guilty of conspiracy to commit theft from programs receiving government funds, conversion or theft of government property, and filing a false tax return. In a 19-page sentencing memorandum filed by Assistant U.S. Attorney Evan Reiki, the prosecution asserts that Barnes, defiantly refuses to accept responsibility for her criminality and refuses to acknowledge the jury's guilty verdict. Attorney Reiki says Barnes maintains she is still owed $75,000 in payments from the VI Casino Control Commission. For that, Reiki argues that Barnes should not be considered for recent changes to the sentencing guidelines that allow for reduction for offenders who have no prior criminal history. Sentencing is scheduled for December 8th. Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Director Darrell Joshin recently spoke about the end of the hurricane season, remarking on the postseason analysis and how climate change affects the current data. I was out at uh, Long Beach, California last uh, couple weeks ago with the National Hurricane Center with, with the Emergency Management Conference, and they already were talking about the analysis that was being done. We mm -hmm. have a lot of climate change conditions, but we talk more about the models and in the you know the validity of the models and ability. As you know, we're now tracking seven days out. It used to be five days, but now information coming to us is is projecting seven days out. So we're getting more and more. Um, stability in those models with their projections of the tracks, the projections of the intensification. But yes, as the complexities of climate change uh, become reality to us, we see more impact into those models and variables in those models, as well as the ability for that data to be gathered up through multiple mechanisms, whether it's you know drones, if you will. We have drone boats out there. We have drone airplanes. We still have hurricane hunters. We still have a lot of things that are still giving us information and, and more technology to come there. So um, definitely, you know, the variables are complex. Uh, we talk about the El Nino effect, whether mm -hmm. it was this year or next year. All those, you know, really go into, you know, it's discussing, you know, this year's and projection for next year. And again, back to preparedness. Uh, we just have to be prepared. And that hurricane season from, you know, 1 June to 30 uh, November is really our, our six months of, of concern and, and awareness. You are listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. United States Attorney Delia Smith announced that Charles Rawlings III, the former ramp agent at the Henry E. Rolson Airport in St. Croix, was sentenced by Judge Wilma Lewis in district court to 48 months incarceration, followed by three years of supervised release, 100 hours of community service, a $2,000 fine, and a $200 special assessment. Rollins pled guilty to conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute a controlled substance 
and possession with intent to distribute a controlled substance. According to court documents, in the early morning hours of May 11, 2022, Rawlings' co-defendant, Wayne Jeffers, who was a Virgin Islands Port Authority officer stationed at the airport, placed a black suitcase containing 12 kilograms of cocaine inside a ladder truck that was parked on the ramp of the airport. Later that morning, Rawlings removed the suitcase from the ladder truck and placed it on a baggage cart to be loaded on a Seaborne Silver aircraft destined for San Juan, Puerto Rico. The luggage containing the cocaine was later seized by Customs and Border Protection officers. Rawlings' co-defendant, Wayne Jeffers, is scheduled to be sentenced by Judge Lewis on December 15th. Just in time for the holiday season, the Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority is continuing its efforts as an American Express neighborhood champion for the Shop Small movement. The Virgin Islands EDA's Enterprise Zone Commission and the Virgin Islands Council of the Arts announced the return of the Made in the USVI pop-up shop back to St. Croix. We spoke with Nadine Marchena-Ken, Managing Director of the Enterprise Zone Commission, as they set up the new shop. The Made in the USVI pop-up shop is a collaboration between the Virgin Islands Economic Development Authorities, Enterprise Zone Commission, and the Department of Planning and Natural Resources, Virgin Islands Council on the Arts. We bring together artists and artisans that make products here in the Virgin Islands and bring them to a location where people can come and shop and find all of these delightful items that, that really illustrate our culture and our understanding of ourselves. The three-day shop is located at the Dorish Center for the Arts in Frederickstead, across the street from the Fred. Right now, vendors are dropping off their products uh, we're setting up today, and it will be opened on Thursday at 10 o'clock with a wonderful, beautiful things. I've seen and seeing the products come in, and I'm really, really excited about it. Doors for the pop-up shop open at 10 a.m. and close at 7 p.m. We have dairy playing on a Thursday evening. On Friday evening, we have 10 sleepless nights, so that might go a little later um, <laughs> on Friday night. But um, we're closing at 7 each night, supposedly. And, <laughs> uh, and on Saturday, we will close at 12 o'clock because we want to be able to give everyone the opportunity to go to the Coconut Festival and then the lighting of the Christmas tree later on that evening in the park. Festival organizers of the annual Cruzian Coconut Festival say the festival is an ode to farmers who work hard every day to preserve the historical and agricultural legacy of the coconut and other indigenous flora of the Virgin Islands. Lucien Downs speaks about this year's festival being held December 1st through the 3rd. We're starting off the Christmas season with the coconut festival. On Friday night, we're going to have the Christmas the fine art exhibit along with uh, um, a champagne kind of VIP reception. You know, we're going to have like food prepared by Teddy's. You know, Teddy's is an amazing um, chef. And then, of course, we're going to have like artwork with over 20-something artists from around the VI. It's going to be at the um, Bethlehem Sugar Factory, which is like a space that's um, historic. And, um, you know, a lot of historical things went down there and using the facility to, um, to bring across this amazing festival. The Crucian Cultural Group, a subcommittee of the Christian Said Community Alliance, 
is holding its annual Lantern Parade. We spoke with Chairperson Ms. Vivian Eberson Flood about the upcoming event. So the Lantern Parade is this Saturday, December 2nd. Um, and this year we got very creative. The first year we did it, we had pedestrians, then, which was 2019. And then 2020, COVID came through. And we pivoted and we made it into a mobile lantern parade where we asked the community members who were participating to put lights on their cars so that we could still have the event. Absent of COVID-19 guidelines, the event returns with a combination of both a mobile and pedestrian parade. Saturday, the mobile lantern parade is going to be lined up at 5 o'clock at Ricardo Richards School. We have a judging section for the mobile parade as well as the pedestrian parade. And so the cars that will be in the mobile parade, the judging will take place at 6.30. There's an initial judging where, you know, the owners are able to show what their bells and whistles are. And then the final judging will occur when they go across across Limpric Park, in front of Limpric Park, so that um, we can see the cars in motion with the lights on. The route for the parade will start at the Ricardo Richards Elementary School and end in Christianstead Town. The parade will then leave at about 6.30 um, from the Ricardo Richard School, come out on the roadway, um, which is Queen Mary Highway. The route for the mobile parade will take it across um, Strawberry, come around past Sunny Isles, past um, Plaza East, past Sign Farm before that, past Plaza East. We'll make the right on the corner by the St. Croix Majorettes, come down Peter S. Hill, past Gateway Gas Station, past Annist Hope, come around to Beeston Hill, and then it will go across what's contentment to come out by Orange Grove or where Pueblo is, come across Kennedy Housing Community, past Richmond Post Office, and then it will approach Bazen Triangle where the police station is. The pedestrian parade will line up at 6.30 in Christians the Town. For an anticipated move off time of 7.30, and then progress down from the Times Square, but the culturally relevant name is Sunday Market. Come down King Street, come across the wharf, and go up Company Street and end at the market. Those who wish to participate must register. However, there's no fee to join either the mobile or the pedestrian parade. There's only one requirement that you have lights. Um, you have, have, you know, whether it's a string of lights or 10 strings of lights, um, there is no open flames, though. There is no lewd behavior. And it's just, it's, it's been a great time. Um, and the community support and, and coming out has been, has been awesome. To register for the parade, contact the Crucian Cultural Group. They can contact uh, Ms. Suzette Baujane. She's a member of our group who is serving as a lead for the, for the, for the event. And her number is 340-626-0837. 340-626-0837, or they can send an email, um, they can text that number as well, or they can send an email to the group's email, which is um, ccg.allaboutculture at gmail.com. Again, ccg.allaboutculture at gmail.com. Um, and that is the email for the group. And we will email or text or whatever way you contact us, get you out the information to participate. You are listening to the WTJX newsfeed. The Virgin Islands Police Department is no longer accepting vendor applications 
for the Children and Adults Parade as all spaces have been filled. However, they are still accepting vendor applications for Juve. Jamal Nielsen, Special Assistant to the Commissioner for the Department of Planning and Natural Resources, told us about the closure to the boating access dock in Frederickstead. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources, and more specifically the Division of Fish and Wildlife, will be closing the Frederickstead boat access dock near the fish market in Frederickstead on Monday, December 4th. Uh, we're doing so. The dock will be going under some extensive renovations. But the good news is that boaters will still be able to launch vessels at that site um, as no work will be conducted to the ramps. We expect the repairs to take within 20 days of it commencing, so about three weeks. So we hopeful, hopefully that will be done by the new year. For further questions, contact the department's Division of Fish and Wildlife at 340-773-1082 on St. Croix or visit the department's website at dpnr.vi.gov. The Virgin Islands Department of Human Services announced that the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Food and Nutrition Services approved the 2022-2023 Virgin Islands School Year Pandemic Electronic Benefit Transfer Territorial Plan for School Children. We spoke with Human Services Public Information Officer Toby DeRima given the announcement. This round of PEBT is a little different from previous rounds because parents or guardians whose children were enrolled in virtual school or homeschooling, this time are required to complete an application to confirm that the children were actually enrolled. We actually already identified the children and we sent the application out via postal mail uh, to the parents. So hopefully all the parents, all the affected parents uh, should have already received those applications. And we're asking all those parents to go ahead and fill out the applications and get those applications back to, back to us so we can go ahead and get the benefits to your cards. As we move in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. A proposed amended contract between the government of Puerto Rico and AES Puerto Rico LP the operator of a coal-fired power plant, drew intense criticism at a reportedly heated public hearing. At the hearing held by Puerto Rico's Energy Bureau, critics accused officials of withholding key information that would affect those living in the impacted areas the company is accused of contaminating. The contract dating from 1994 has been amended twice already. The amended contract has already been approved by the governing board of Puerto Rico's Electric Power Authority, which said the details of the amended contract are confidential because it still had to be approved by the Energy Bureau and a federal control board that oversees the island's finances. If approved, the amended contract will go into effect December 1st and is expected to lead to an increase in power bills, which is already among the highest of any U.S. jurisdiction and would award more money to the company. AES Puerto Rico LP has come under scrutiny of the Environmental Protection Agency and the EPA is currently testing air and water in the region. The Energy Bureau is expected to issue a decision in the coming days. Virgin Islands residents can anticipate scattered showers this evening and into tomorrow. Meteorologist Eric Weglars has the territory's weather forecast. Here's a latest look at the short-term forecast. 
for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We'll see sunny skies continue this afternoon at St. Croix. There's the chance for a scattered shower near sunset. Temperatures hold in the middle 80s and east wind at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar amount of sunshine. There's the chance for a shower as well, mainly near sunset. Highs will be a few degrees warmer in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds also from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, scattered showers will taper off to mostly clear skies at St. Croix. Temperatures fall back into the upper 70s. Winds pivot to the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Gusts a bit higher near 20 at St. Thomas and St. John. Same deal. Scattered showers will taper off early to partly cloudy skies after midnight. Those will fall back into the upper 70s. Winds also pivot to the northeast at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. Thursday features sunshine area-wide with scattered showers possible in the afternoon. Highs at St. Croix will reach the upper 80s to near 90. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's similar with highs in the upper 80s to near 90. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. If you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.